0: Welcome and thank you for joining the Cass County Health Department Healthcast. Our Healthcast is here to bring discussion and awareness to the services we offer here at CCHD, as well as ongoing and current issues in women's health. I am Ali Yokish, and I'm here with Hillary Kelly and Louise Yale and Worth Health Educators here at CCHD. So why don't we jump right in with our first topic?
1: So it is allergy season, allergies, allergies, allergies. There are so many individuals that suffer from some sort of allergy, whether it's pollen or weeds, you got food or from insect bites, allergies plague so many people in the United States. So in the United States, there's 32 million people that suffer from just food allergies and 81 million people that suffer from seasonal allergies, which is about 67 million adults and 14 million children. So Allergies are considered, yeah, the sixth leading cause of chronic illness, which we wouldn't think um, in the US and can cost quite a bit of money for people. Um, with the overall cost of nasal or your seasonal allergies being between three to four billion, that's with a B, each year, and food allergies costing about 25 billion each year. So I think we all are familiar with the, uh, the coming allergy season and dreading that time of year. Um, If not personally yourself, but maybe for someone you know that suffers from some type of allergy, whether it's seasonal or not. So I think we're all affected by allergies, whether we kind of realize it or not.
0: So what is an allergy? Now, that's a really great question, Hillary. An allergy is when your immune system reacts to a foreign substance called an allergen. This could be something you eat, inhale into your lungs, or something that gets injected to your body, such as a sting or something you touch when someone has an allergy their immune system makes antibodies that identify that particular allergen is harmful even though it isn't this happens with all types of allergies your body's immune system feels like that allergen is harmful even though it may not be to others louise i have the next question for you what are some different allergies out there
1: Oh, there are so many. There's a very variety or big variety of allergies that um, are experienced by Americans these days. Um, some of the biggest ones you'll see are the indoor-outdoor allergies, which are more airborne, such as like your pollen um, from trees, grasses, and weeds. Um, you also got dust mites or mold spores in the air, along with pet dander that you can find inside for many of your pets there. Um, this is diagnosed as your seasonal allergic rhinitis or also called hay fever. Um, There are also skin allergies, which a good number of people suffer from. Um, Eczema is a very common one for people, which is also called dermatitis. Um, This affects the skin, causing rashes and some itchy, dry skin in various parts of the body. Um, Then you have people that have allergic reactions to various types of metals that touch the skin. Like nickel is a big one um, where you can see people get a rash from it, from being in contact with the skin. Um, Other things that could affect the skin are like certain fragrances, cobalt or other chemical compounds that you find in some personal care products. So another type of allergy is insect bites. Um, People that have insect allergies are often allergic to like bee, wasp, and ant stings. Uh, Cockroaches and dust mites may also cause nasal or some some skin allergy symptoms. Um, Insect sting sting allergies affect about 5% of the population, but sometimes can be the deadliest if not treated very quickly. Um, again, with the sting of an insect, the body is fighting off that poison, which was injected in the skin or the muscle, and some people's bodies really react greatly to it. So as many as 100 deaths occur each year in the United States due to insect sting anaphylaxis. Now, food allergies is another big type of allergy we see, and it seems to continue to rise as years go on. Again, 32 million people suffer from food allergies, um, affecting like 1 in 13 children, so that's quite a few. Um, while more than six, 160 foods can cause allergic reactions in people with food allergies, the FDA identifies eight of the most common allergic foods that are that must be placed on food nutrition labels for those to identify. Um, these foods account for about 90% of what food uh, or the food allergic reactions um, and are the food sources from which many ingredients are derived from and are made up of. So here are the big eight of foods that are identified by the law as food allergens. You have milk, which is more prevalent in children for sure. You got eggs, um, fish such as like flounder, bass, um, cod. You got your shellfish, which is very common with shrimp, lobster, and crab. Tree nuts is another common one, which is almonds, walnuts, and pecans. Uh, Just regular peanuts, which you kind of see more in children as well. Uh, Wheat and then soy. So milk is the most common allergen for children, followed by eggs and peanuts. Shellfish is the most common allergen for adults, followed by peanuts and tree nuts. And then sesame is also a rising food allergy as well, and it was declared a major food allergen in the U.S. in 2021. So
2: while we talk about allergies in children and food allergies in children, I want to mention that breastfeeding, especially exclusive breastfeeding, and the longer that you breastfeed, has research has shown us that that does mm-hmm. help fight against oh, allergies yeah. and food allergies in children as they grow and develop. Yeah, so for sure. Allergies are something. Food allergies in kids are something that's extremely easy to confuse with a number of other conditions oh, yeah. that babies might become afflicted with, or even toddlers become oh. afflicted with. But um, the 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 odds of becoming truly allergic to these foods, especially milk is is greatly
1: decreased in mm-hmm. breastfeeding is is done in the first six months of life yeah so drug and medication allergies occur as well with many people um it is less common than your like your seasonal and skin and food allergies but still accounts for allergic reactions that occur in many individuals uh, the most common reported uh, drug allergy is to penicillin or amoxicillin, but it can occur to many other types of antibiotics and steroids. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is latex. About 4.3 of the general population has a latex allergy. And it is seen more commonly in certain occupations. So you're going to see it more in like the healthcare, se- healthcare setting due to those workers having, workers having to wear like protective gloves for their job. But you can also find it elsewhere in your kind of day-to-day things. So latex can be seen in other forms in the common world, but you're more likely to see it in the healthcare setting. All right. So then Allie, what are some of the reactions that occur with allergies or from allergies? So really depending on the type of
0: allergy, your reaction is going to vary. For your seasonal allergies or hay fever, your typical symptoms are going to be sneezing, stuffy nose or runny nose, watery eyes, itchy nose and eyes, or itchy roof of the mouth. And skin allergies can have similar symptoms, but you're going to see more of the following, which is rash, itching, redness and swelling, raised bumps, um, scaling of the skin, like flaking of the skin, and cracked skin, which can lead to open source, so you definitely want to take care of those. Now, food and insect bite allergic reactions can vary as well. We'll talk about these together because the symptoms are very similar. Some of them can be minor, while others can be severe enough to cause hospitalization. Reactions to food allergies typically appear within a few minutes to two hours after a person has eaten the food to which he or she is allergic to. Here are some of the common symptoms for food allergies. Hives, flushed skin or rash, itchy or tingling sensation in the mouth, face, tongue, or lip swelling, vomiting and or diarrhea, abdominal pains or cramps, coughing or wheezing, dizziness or lightheadedness, swelling of the throat or vocal cords, difficulty breathing, and loss of consciousness. There are more severe food and insect by allergy symptoms that occur for some people though. A person that is severely allergic to a certain food can have life-threatening life threatening reaction called anaphylaxis. This can lead to constricted airway of the lungs, severe lowering of the blood pressure and shock, and suffocation by swelling of
1: the throat. So based on these people that might have severe reaction, prompt administration of epinephrine by an auto-injector, also known as an EpiPen, during these early symptoms of anaphylaxis, may prevent or may help to prevent those with serious consequences. We'll talk a little more about EpiPens here in a minute and kind of give you the lowdown of how to use it. So, drug and medication allergy, allergic reactions are fairly milder but can be severe if not treated in the right amount of time. Um, these symptoms can vary, but again, are more mild but should be seen by a healthcare provider. So you can go on your medical records so you're not given that medication again in the future and have that same reaction so Mm -hmm. here are some of the different symptoms for medications or drug reactions Um, you can have a skin rash um, your hives also itching uh, fever and swelling of the areas or certain areas Um, you can have shortness of breath wheezing and runny nose and then latex allergy reactions are very similar to the medication but should also be recognized so that it doesn't occur often
0: So you said we're going to talk more about epinephrine, but what exactly is it and how do you use an EpiPen?
1: Good. Yeah, great question. Um, Epinephrine is both a neurotransmitter and a hormone, which our body releases, which is also known as adrenaline. Um, Your body releases this when you're in that fight or flight response mode. So it is triggered when your body recognizes that you might be in danger. But it can also be used um, in an injection when someone has a major allergic reaction to either food or an insect bite. Um, to help relieve some of the major symptoms such as the swelling of the throat or constricted airways that make it hard for people to breathe and can help them relieve it until they get to the ER have EMTs comes. It gives you that adrenaline in like larger amounts so that your body can produce it in order to relieve, again, some of those symptoms so you can breathe a little bit better. Um, using an Epi- EpiPen can help someone that is having that major allergic reaction to get some relief until EMTs arrive or they can get to the ER. You want to make sure they get to that healthcare uh, response team just as much as or as soon as you can, so they can relieve that more. Now, again, it's not the only to be used in emergencies and so, of someone's experiencing a of severe reaction. It should not be replaced and seen a healthcare provider. So, anyone that has to use an epipen due to having anaphylaxis reaction needs to go have EMTs assess them or go to the ER to be evaluated because it's only a short. Short term, um, I'm gonna try to say short term effect. You know, Mm -hmm. it's only a short period that you will assist you, and you need to make sure you're not having a second allergic reaction in the Mm -hmm. long run. So most individuals that are severely allergic to like food or insect bite, um, those are the most common ones you'll see, will carry one or two EpiPens with them in case of an emergency because you never know where in the environment you're in, you're going to have that emergency. Yeah. So the pen will have instructions on how to use it if you need to help administer it to that person if they're having that allergic reaction because sometimes they're in a state that they cannot do it themselves. So you may have to do it for them. So you grab the pen around the middle so that both ends are exposed. Um, you want to make sure that your hand is clear from the needle so you don't get stuck instead of the person that needs it. Um, there is a blue end and an orange end to this uh, pen. The orange end is where the needle is going to be coming out, and the blue end is in to, or the blue end is to help engage the needle or to um, release the medicine. So blue end to the sky, if you can remember that, and grasp the pen with the orange tip pointing downwards. Um, you remove the blue safety cap by pulling it straight up. Now you go to the orange end to the thigh, okay? So you want to make sure you're administering that orange tip into the middle of the outer thigh. You want to then swing the, and push the auto-injector firmly into the outer thigh until it clicks or until you feel it get firmly into that. You want to hold the pen there firmly in place for 3 to 10 seconds, depending on the pen. Some are only 3 seconds, so you count slowly. Some are up to 10 seconds. Um, so count slowly for at least that three seconds, then release the pen away. Um, you or the person that have an erection can rub the area which the injection was taken in to get that medication moving and get it more or yeah. get into this, the cells <clears throat> faster. You want to make sure you call nine one one immediately or go to the e- ER because again, the EpiPen is only a short term thing, and people can have a secondary action and will need more medication and more evaluation. So once you get there, or once you have EMTs, give that epipen to them, and or when you arrive to the ER staff for proper disposal, and make sure you get that have that person get that other epipen for future use.
0: Hey Hillary, when can
2: you expect allergies to occur? Well, usually when you're going to see symptoms of your seasonal allergies, they'll occur in the spring, the summer, or the fall, um, when the pollen from the trees or the grass weeds or airborne mold spores start to come out. So now there are people that suffer from allergies all year round, and perineal allergy rhinitis is generally caused by sensitivity to, like, house dust mites, animal dander, cockroaches, or mold spores. So some occur from allergies from pets, like cats and dogs, or other reactions from insect bites. Insect bites can happen anytime that those insects are around, so you just want to make sure that you're cautious about your surroundings if you're a person who's highly allergic to those things. So other allergies like food, latex, medication, or skin can really happen at any point in time. The biggest thing is to try and avoid those items that cause your allergies to become an issue.
1: So then a big question, Hillary, is will this allergy stay with me forever or is there a cure to allergies? That's a good question. Um, So
2: there is no cure for food allergies. So food allergies are managed by avoiding them and avoiding problem foods. And you have to learn how to recognize and treat reactions and symptoms. Um, A lot of people that have allergies to like foods in their homes with yeah. small children or when you're doing things at school. or It's, it's really a super, super diligent yeah. job. It's a big task and takes more people than are just within oh, your family definitely. to manage food allergies. Definitely. So although allergies to milk, egg, wheat, and soy are often resolved within childhood, children appear to outgrow some of these allergies more slowly than they did previously. So allergies to peanuts, tree nuts, fish, and shellfish are typically lifelong. So other allergies will more than likely stay with you forever, especially if they are more severe. Yeah. So some of the more seasonal ones sometimes can gradually disappear as you age, but most of them are going to stay with you throughout your life. And once you're diagnosed, allergic rhinitis treatment options are avoidance, eliminating or decreasing your exposure to the irritants or the allergens that trigger your symptoms, medication, and immunotherapy, which are allergy shots. Yeah. So the biggest part of allergies no matter what kind you have, is to avoid the allergen the best that yeah. you can. Oh, sure. Take medications when and if they're needed and talk with your healthcare provider of other things you can do to treat the symptoms. And keeping in mind that um, <laughs> when your baby comes, breastfeeding exclusively for the first six months of life helps decrease the incidence of the allergies in children.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So what can people do to help themselves during allergy season? Well, allergy season can be miserable for some, so trying to reduce your exposure to allergy triggers is going to be your best bet, really. So this can involve, like, trying to stay indoors on dry, windy days. The best time to go outside is after a good rain, which helps clear the pollen from the air. Mm, Avoid um, lawn mowing, weed pulling, and other gardening chores that stir up pollen. Remove clothes that you've worn outside and shower quickly to rinse the pollen off. Uh, Don't hang laundry outside to dry. Pollen can get stuck on those clothes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, You can wear a face mask if you go outside to do chores. Um, You can check your local TV or radio stations or internet sources for pollen forecasts and current pollen levels. If high pollen counts are forecasted, start taking your allergy medication before symptoms even start. That's a good one. Close doors and windows at night if possible or any time that the pollen counts are high. And avoid outdoor activities if you can, especially earlier in the morning when the pollen count tends to be pretty high. There's really no miracle product that can eliminate all allergens from the air and in your home, but some of the suggestions that might help are use air conditioning in your house or car, use high efficient filters and follow regular maintenance if you have forced air heating, and air conditioning in your house. Keep indoor air dry with a dehumidifier. Use air purifiers and use high-efficiency filters to help clear the air inside your house and clean your floors often with a vacuum cleaner.
2: So what are some of the -the over-the-counter remedies?
1: Yeah, so many people have to lead into taking medications in order to relieve the symptoms of allergies during the season. Um, Some easy ones that can be obtained at any pharmacy or store can include like your oral antihistamines, which help relieve your sneezing, itching, stuffy and runny nose and your watery eyes. Um, Some good examples are like Zyrtec, Allegra, or Claritin. Um, You also got your corticosteroid nasal sprays, which uh, help improve like your nasal symptoms. So examples of those are like Flonase, your Rhinocort, and your Nasocort. Um, You want to make sure you talk to your healthcare provider about long-term use of nasal sprays because it can affect the inside lining of that nasal passage. Um, so just be careful about that if it's long-term use. Um, your chromalin sodium nasal sprays can also be used. Um, these can be easy allergy symptoms by blocking. Um, these can ease allergy symptoms by blocking the release of immune system agents that cause your symptoms. Um, it works best if treatment is started before the expo- exposure of the allergen. Um, it is safe, but usually needs to be used more often, like four to six times daily. So it can be a little bit more tedious there. Mm-hmm. And then you got your oral decongestants. Um, these can provide temporary relief from your nasal stiffness or nasal symptoms. Examples like these would be like your Sudafed. Um, you got your Zyrtec D, your Allegra D, and your Claritin D. Um, so there are some. Different home remedies remedies as well that can um, try to help with your symptoms. One would be to rinse your sinuses with a saline saline solution, which can help flush out mucus and allergens. Mm -hmm. Um, You can purchase like a ready-made kit already um, set forth, or you can make your own. Kind of just look up the ratios there. Um, other things such as herbal uh, supplements or remedies can help as well, but you want to make sure you do a little research um, by yourself if needed. If you want to go that route,
0: yeah, make sure they're good sources. Yeah, for
1: sure. Um, and then in the long run, many people will need to d- be on medications prescribed by their healthcare provider just to really relieve the, all those symptoms, especially if you have more uh, severe ones. Um, those can include can include oral medications or possibly, like we mentioned earlier, um, um iman. <laughs> Immunotherapy or allergy shots. <laughs> Immunotherapy, there you go. There, um, there are many options out there to help relieve those allergy symptoms. So please don't hesitate to talk to your healthcare provider about your allergies and if over the counter medications are doing the trick. So, then, Hillary, are there any special circumstances for taking allergy medications?
2: Yes. So things always vary with yeah. medication. So it's always good to talk with your healthcare provider if you have high blood pressure, mm. if you're diabetic, yes, yes. heart disease or other heart issues or chronic disease, because some of the over-counter medications can cause these side effects to be really exasperated mm-hmm. or they might interfere with other medications. Mm-hmm. It's always good to double check um, some side effects that are common from taking over-the-counter medications are things like dizziness or drowsiness, dry mouth, blurred vision, nausea and vomiting, confusion, rapid or irregular heartbeat, irritability, nasal dryness, nosebleeds, high blood pressure, difficulty sleeping, loss of appetite, urinary retention, headache, cough or congestion, throat smelling, upper respiratory infections or issues. So mm-hmm. yep.
1: that's a long list of things. Yeah, they're fairly minor though, most of them. They are, and
2: sometimes they go along with your allergies. <laughs> right, Virtual. true. So it's difficult to know, but um, it's always good to check with a doctor – before you start taking any allergy medication that you've bought over the counter. Right. For sure. So as far as allergy medications, having allergies when you're pregnant or mm-hmm. when you're lactating, the script flips a little bit. It normally yeah. does. So allergies are just as big of a pest. Seasonal allergies. not. I'm talking more of the upper respiratory things than mm-hmm. anything that's food related. Right. Um, or like... Um, insect bites or things like that that's just something different Um, allergies in pregnancy the first thing that people should be aware of is the medication factor with Mm -hmm. that so in pregnancy you're probably going to get the okay from your doctor for the majority of medications they typically aren't unable to be taken in in a dose that will harm the baby Mm -hmm. during the pregnancy Um, and typically your doctor will give you a list, like, hey, here's some of the more favorable ones, Um, and pregnancy things don't always agree, you know, like, it might make you feel crummy, or whatnot, so we typically have a couple of options with that, Um, but typically, like, any antihistamine is going to be fine, Mm -hmm. so that's a lot of medication. Yeah, there's a lot out there for that. Yeah, when the baby is born, during breastfeeding, things change somewhat slightly, Mm -hmm. so it Anytime that you talk about drugs, you're talking about the infant's dose, the relative infant dose. It has to be under 10% for it to be safe for a baby to have.
1: Okay.
2: So medications always can pass that barrier. But some of them are unsafe. Some of them it's questionable whether mm-hmm. they're safe or not. So yeah. they're always going to err on the side of caution. And some of them can actually effel- affect milk supply and milk production. Mm-hmm. So Aww. a lot of decongestants, especially Sudafed, has an active ingredient of the pseudoephedrine, and that will reduce milk supply. So mm-hmm. in, in studies, it's shown that it's rapid in some cases, and it can decrease supply by almost 25%. Oh, my oh gosh.
0: gosh.
2: Okay. So that's typically something to avoid, especially... Um, in the early times of breastfeeding, when it would really be difficult to bring that supply back to where it was before yeah. taking the medication, so no Sudafed, no Sudafed. Yeah. And a rule of thumb that a lot of people go by is if you're taking a medication, a decongestant specifically, mm-hmm. if you're taking something to try and dry up your oh, sinuses, nasal passage, yeah. it will have that same effect on um, your milk supply. Okay. So just avoid sense. it. Yeah. There might you might see a overall blanket statement saying, you know, Robitussin is safe. It depends. There's so many, so many, so many subgroups of Robitussin. Mm-hmm. There's a daytime, there's a nighttime, yeah. there's a DM, there's a da, da 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 They have different ingredients. So depending on the drug that's active within that, that Robitussin mm-hmm. you're choosing flips the script. You may mm-hmm. not want to take that now. So you're really looking for like active ingredients, mm-hmm. active agents, especially now when a lot of allergy medications or cold and sinus or flu, they're like collaboratives. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like they're trying to kill as many birds with one stone as possible in right. these combination cold and cough deals. Right. So um, decongestions should also be avoided within the first three months of pregnancy too. So, you know, you just, you, you're just going to have to tough it out. And, to and Don't you know, have yet, your baby in the spring. Right, oh. go through. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be rough. <laughs> Try the home remedies, yeah. you know, uh, people going through pregnancy and lactation. You got to get comfortable trying holistic things yeah. because yeah. the medication route isn't always going to work for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that something that is, you know, commonly overlooked as a resource is a pharmacist.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: like you, your doctor may not be aware of some of those effects Not to say that they don't understand allergy, but they don't always understand lactation and drug effects on lactation like a pharmacist would. So the, the leading experts in that field are all pharmacists. The Infant Risk Center puts together tremendous amounts of information about lactation and drugs. Yeah. And so you can actually look for yourself and find out, like do I want to take this or do I not want to take mm-hmm. this, you know, mm-hmm. rather than kind of a, you have allergies, you take this. Right. So this right. way
0: you can make like an informed decision. Yeah, you
2: can make a true informed decision about what you want to do. So, you know, an example of that would be um, the pseudoephedrine. The pseudofed is also found in Advil cold and sinus. So uh, nobody yeah. would know that because right. it's not Sudafed, right?
1: No. So it's
2: not on the label right. right down there. You might think, well, I'm going to try the Advil because it's, it's not Sudafed. Yeah, you this think might it's work. Different. You think it's different, and it isn't. Mm-hmm. So um, just kind of knowing what's in your medications when you're taking them is probably a good practice to have anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, not that there aren't other ones. You know, Mucinex is another one. Some types of Mucinex are going to be okay. Some types are not. So, typically, you're just going to get told to avoid the mucinex, you know. Um, The holistic route is the safest. It's the easiest. It's the safest. Um, But, yeah, so a pharmacist is a really excellent resource. So, if you are feeling like you need something and your allergies are severe, it's gotten really bad, you need to control it in some way. You're not really able to go the decongestant mm-hmm. route just call your pharmacist yeah. and tell them i'm nursing where i'm lactating i'm expressing milk and you need some help yeah. figuring out what to take for just right. even the slightest amount of relief right. so um, they're an excellent resource to have in your pocket
1: good Yeah.
2: so that is all for today and we hope that this health cast has been informative and helpful to our listeners we bring information to you to educate and enlighten the public on the importance of various health concerns and topics that would be beneficial to the improvement of health and well-being for the community. Funding for this podcast was provided in whole or in part by the Illinois Department of Public Health, the Office of Women's Health, the Cass County Healthcast, as a project of the CCHD in Cass County, Illinois. And information given in today's podcast is not the personal opinions or views of those speaking, and is information gathered and distributed for the sole purpose of health education and promotion. If you have any questions or you would like to suggest a topic, please call the Cass County Health Department at 217-452-3057 and ask for Louise or Hillary. Also, please visit us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And visit us at our website at www.casscohealth.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay well.